like to see the debates that take place a lot of times in the political arena, and and uh, I, I happened to come across a show last night as I was waiting uh, to watch something else, and they were talking about these two candidates uh, who are running for president, and uh, and and one of them said, you know. Uh, I wish he would say something bad about me so that I could go after him. And then the other one said, well, you know, he says, I'm glad uh, that uh, he has had to look so hard to find something wrong with me. (laughs) And uh, I just thought that was funny. But you know what? It struck me as I was thinking about that. I thought, you know, that is a perfect example of what we're to be like as Christians. We're to have such godly character that those who want to criticize us can't find anything to say. Uh, Joseph was that way, wasn't he? Uh, Daniel was that way. You remember? They said, we we can't find any fault. Unless we find fault with him in regards to his worship of his God, we will not find something. So they had the king make up a law so that you couldn't bow down or pray to anyone except the king. And so that's how they got Daniel in the lion's den, but God took care of him. But I I want you to know that as Christians, we need to live a godly, holy life. We need to do that because the world is watching. We also need to do that because that's where abundant life is found, in walking closer with Christ. I want to tell you something. My Christian life is not a drudgery. I love walking with Jesus. I don't do it perfectly. None of us do. But what a joy to be able to live in relationship to our great Savior. And uh, Peter is is addressing some folks who are going through persecution. And we've seen that in the news, haven't we, recently? You, I'm sure you've seen it probably if you do social media or if you watch the news. You've seen the persecution going around all over the world uh, at the hands of evil men. But I want you to know, God is able to sustain us in times of persecution and difficulty. And he was doing that for this group. But Peter's writing to encourage them, and he says, Look, I want you to know that I understand you're being unfairly criticized, unfairly spoken of, but I want you to silence the ignorant talk of foolish men by living a holy life. And by doing that, they will glorify Jesus when he comes again. And uh, I want you to know that we can overcome. You know, Jesus said, in this world you're going to have trouble. But he said, take heart, I've overcome the world. And uh, as you live and walk with Jesus Christ in the fullness of his spirit, There may be things that come against you, but I can tell you, you can be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ because he lives in you, and he is able to work through you to overcome the circumstances in your life. Um, We need to live a holy life to overcome this unjust criticism in our life. And the title of my message is Overcoming Unjust Criticism. I believe every person who lives godly in Christ will face this at one time or another. You will be criticized unfairly. If you're a leader, you will be criticized unfairly. I'm sure you will 
there will be decisions that you make that people will misunderstand. There will be things that you do that people will misunderstand. But as a child of God, there is an additional element because people who don't know Christ, oftentimes, as they resist the truth about Jesus, they develop a hatred for Christianity. And so they will come again. They, they will, they will uh, lash out against Christians, but we can overcome through Jesus Christ. Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and temporary residents to abstain from fleshly desires that war against you, literally that war against your soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that in case where they speak against you as those who do what is evil, they will, by observing your good works, glorify God on the day of his visitation. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what, evil, uh, what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. As God's slaves... Live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Uh, overcoming unjust criticism. What are we to do? Well, the first thing I want you to see is that we need to think holy thoughts. We need to think holy thoughts. By the way, just as an aside, what does holy mean? It means to be set apart or distinct, or different. It's a word that's used to describe God. He is set apart from us. He is holy. He, you know, we could love people, but God loves people in an entire different way. He is holy in his love. Uh, we can be righteous through the power of the Spirit, but God is righteous in a way that is far and above what we could be righteous. And so it speaks of the distinctiveness of God, and God says to his people, you will be holy for I am holy. So to think holy thoughts means that you have a, dis, a distinctiveness in your thought life, a difference in your thought life from the way that most people think. So um, think holy thoughts. Well, why is this important? Well, he says, I want you to abstain, verse 11, abstain from fleshly desires or lusts that war against your soul. I want you to know that having an unclean thought life will war against who you are on the inside. It will uh, disrupt your spiritual life. It will steal your joy. It will rob you as, it, as you continue on in it from, from having the power of God in your life. Um, it, it, and so... There is a very real battle for the mind that goes on in the spiritual world. Is it any wonder that we see everywhere we look, we see uh, temptation on the television, we see it on the radio, or we hear it on the radio, uh, we see it in the movie theater, wherever it may be. Uh, everywhere you look in our culture, there is an assault on the mind. Why is that? Because the devil knows if he can get you to think wrong, he can get you to act wrong. Because the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so we're to, to have a holy thought life where you say, well, how do you do that, preacher? Well, one way you do that is by making a decision to do that. 
Uh, Job said, uh, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a young woman. What does he mean? That he's not going to ever look, at, look at, a, at a female? No, he means I'm not going to look in an inappropriate way. Um, I heard uh, somebody give a joke one time and said the first look, get, you know, the first look isn't, doesn't get you into trouble. The second look does. And he said, well, he said, uh, because of that, I just looked for a long time. And, I, you know, that's not the idea, okay? So the, if you want to have a covenant with your eyes, you need to, to look away when something tempting comes along. You got your remote control. Flip the channel. Uh, but, but don't dwell upon things that draw your mind away from right thinking. Be choosy about what you go to see in the movie theater. Okay? I'm not going to give you a rating, but let me tell you this. You don't need to be going to see things with nudity in them. You don't. And there are things that you can go on. You can, there's actually things you can go on. There's a focus on the family has a thing called, uh, uh, my mind just went blank. But you can Google it, okay? Um, focus on the family has a thing that rates movies, and it will tell you what's in them. And it will tell you the, the sexual content and how much language and all of that stuff it has. And so you can, you can prepare so that you don't have to go and, and be embarrassed and, and, and do something uh, that might draw your thought life in the wrong direction. Um, be discerning as to what you read, as to what you listen to. Uh, why? Because you're pumping things into your brain continuously, right? And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And what, you, what I begin to, to notice is you pick up what you hear, right? I'm going to make a confession to you. I've got all your attention, right? Every one of you is listening now. i got a confession to tell you. When I was in the military, I wanted to honor God with my, with my speech, and I, and I wanted to do that. But I was immersed. Some of you who are in the military know what I'm talking about. They have compound cuss words in the military. I mean, it's, it's amazing how they can cuss. And, and, and I was just immersed in that culture. And one day, I was out there by myself, and I was working on something, I was hitting something with a hammer really hard, and I hit my thumb. And I'm not going to tell you what word I said, but it wasn't a good word. And it just slipped out. And, of course, immediately I was looking around, you know, and I confessed it to God, and, uh, and I felt embarrassed about it. But you know what I found? Because I was in the middle, I listened to it all the time. It just became a part of how I thought. Don't underestimate what you put into your mind and the effect that it can have on you. It will affect you. So um, kind of build a fence around your life, okay? Don't, uh, just be wise in what you, and, and Billy Graham said this, I don't do anything that takes the edge off my relationship with God. Isn't that a great statement? Um, choose to think those good thoughts. Now, here's something else you need to do. When you have a thought pop in your mind, have you ever had that happen? Sometimes it may be from your old nature, okay? But other times it may not be from you. It could be from the enemy. The enemy could place a thought, or it may be someone else. You ever been in the break room and somebody else says something that you know you don't need to be thinking about and they're talking about it? Comes in your mind, right? But you have a choice what you can do with it. None of us can choose what pops into our minds, but we can choose what we're going to do with it. 
And what you need to do when you have those evil thoughts pop in your mind is you need to replace that thought with a good thought. Don't, don't try to stop thinking about what's wrong to think about, okay? Because what do you do when you try to stop thinking about something? You're thinking about it, right? So you replace it. The Bible says we're to take our thoughts captive. Uh, you can do that in, in a few ways. You can, you can actually quote Scripture. Jesus did that, didn't he? He quoted Scripture when the enemy was tempting him. Uh, you can uh, begin to sing worship songs. Sometimes that's been effective for me. Sometimes that hasn't, you know, if I'm by myself. Um, but here's something else you could do. Not only to replace that thought, but to ask the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, overcome this temptation in me. Uh, fill me with your spirit. Holy Spirit, live through me. Overcome this, this temptation that's in me right now. And just surrender to what he directs you to do. Um, but take your thought life seriously. Because how you think will ultimately end up in an action and in consequences if you don't take that thought life seriously. Uh, James says this. Um, uh, a man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust conceives, it brings forth sin. And when sin reaches full measure, it produces death. Be not deceived. Then he goes on to say that every good gift comes from God. Do you, do you believe that? Do you believe that God has your best interest at heart? The devil doesn't want you to believe that, but it's true. And so uh, part of winning this battle for the mind is believing that and then uh, nipping it in the bud right at the beginning of that temptation. So think holy thoughts i can do all things through christ who strengthens me do you believe that some of you may be struggling with your thought life and you've got some really strong struggles in your life but i want you to know through the power of god you can overcome them get a prayer partner if you're going through that struggle and let that somebody that you trust to pray for you and to help you in that but Make a choice to think holy thoughts. Okay, so overcoming unjust criticism. What to do about it? First of all, think holy thoughts. Secondly, live holy lives. Look at verse 12. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that in a case where they're speaking against you as those who do what is evil. Let me just pause right there. Have you ever had somebody gossip about you? You ever overhear somebody talking about you? Or maybe some of, one of your friends came to you and said, did you know what somebody said about you? And then they go ahead and they begin to share with you. That's what's happening here. Isn't the Bible practical? <laughs> I tell you, 2,000 years, the human nature is still the same, right? There's still people who backstab. There's still people who go around and gossip. But God says, I want you to conduct yourselves honorably so that when those who speak against you as those who do what is evil, they will, by observing your good works, glorify God on the day of his visitation. So I have a choice of how I'm going to respond to unjust criticism in my life. I can take offense. I can hold a grudge. I can say, I don't get mad. I get even. But... What God wants me to do is to live such a holy life and to have the love of Jesus in me to such a, such a degree 
that they will see my good works and they may try to criticize me with their mouth, but deep down in their hearts, they know I'm living a godly life. This is how you silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Uh, one person one time told me, when somebody is, is against you and out to get you, just give them time. If, if you're doing the right thing and they're doing the wrong thing, eventually uh, they'll have enough rope to hang themselves. And I've seen that take place. I've seen God intervene in a situation and somebody show their true colors and who they are. Do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe that God is on your side to help you in the situations in your life? Do you believe that he'll protect you, that if you honor him, he'll honor you? I'm not saying you won't have trouble and you won't have persecution in your life. You will have persecution. But I do believe that God will be an advocate for you. I love that I mentioned the story of Daniel earlier. Isn't it great? I mean, his friends had come up with this great plot to get Daniel. And finally, we finally got him. They're going to throw him in the lion's den. And so he puts him in the lion's den. And all night long, hungry lions are sitting there but can't do a thing to Daniel because God sent his angel. Can I tell you something? God is on his side. You don't have to worry about getting eaten. You don't have to worry about dealing with that person. Yes, God may give you some steps of leadership and how to, how to deal with an issue, but you don't ultimately have to worry about it. Why? Because God's got your back. And the Bible says that when the king took out Daniel, he said, boy, there's no God like your God, Daniel. And it ends up being a witness for Christ, a witness for God. And so then the king told Daniel's enemies, he said, cast them in to the pit, into the den of lions. And the Bible says before they even got to the bottom, the lions had crushed their bones. They were so ravenously hungry. All night long they'd been looking at Daniel. Their mouths had been watering. And finally Daniel's enemies get thrown in. They can do something about it. And boom. God deals with the problem. Can I tell you, God has got your back. You don't have to worry about it. You just do what God has told you to do and trust him. Live a holy life. When you think holy thoughts and you live a holy life, your actions will speak loudly for you. Um, you know, people can tell who loves you. I remember I had a I had a boss one time who took advantage of me, not uh, you know just in work and so forth. Uh, but normally they would have three people working. When I'd work, he'd put me back there by myself. And I, on the busiest day, he used to make me so mad. Why are you taking advantage of me? You know, because I work hard. He's about to work me to death. You ever feel that way? And finally, God began to deal with me, and he said, you know what? You're not loving him. You need to repent of that, and you need to love him. And so I confessed it, and uh, I began to ask God. When he, This is how mad I was at him. He'd walk in the building, and anger would just, you ever have that happen? Just well up. And, uh, and so when that would happen, I would say, God, Fill me with your spirit. Holy Spirit, love this person through me. Love him through me. 
and God would give me the ability, I could be free. You know what I noticed? After about two weeks, we became great friends. God changed our whole relationship because my heart got right. I I want you to know, uh, when you live a holy life and you love people the way God has told you to love them, they will see that and they will recognize. Now, some people, you can't please them no matter what you do. But even those people will know when you love them. So live that holy life. They will know you are Christians by your love. And, and the chief characteristic of a holy life is somebody who loves other people and who loves God. Live that holy life. Live a separate. By the way, let me just say this. We as Christians are far too concerned about what other people think. I'll, I'll include myself in that sometimes. I, we're too concerned. We need to be bold in our witness. We need to speak up for Christ. We need to not be ashamed of whose we are. And one of the reasons our culture is in the mess that it is, is we Christians have gone underground. Instead of being holy and living boldly before a world, uh, unashamedly living for Christ. And I believe as we live that holy life, it'll do a whole lot to silence the criticism that we face in this world. The world fixates on scandal in the church. Have you ever noticed that? A pastor gets into trouble. Five o'clock news, buddy. Right? Have you ever seen the five o'clock news talk about a pastor? who is loving his people and doing what he should do. They don't do that. So how's the world going to figure that out? Whether it's a pastor or whether it's an individual in the church. The world will see that as we live holy lives among them and as we're vocal for our faith. You've got to be willing to let people know that you're a Christian. I, I was visiting a home of a, of a young couple and was visiting my church in Texas, and and I had asked her about her, her Christianity, and, and he, he wasn't in the room, and, and we were there talking to her, and I said, well, is your husband a believer in Christ? She said, I don't know. I want to tell you something. You can live your holy life. They may see that something's different, but they won't know the reason why unless you tell them. She was married to the guy and didn't know whether he was a Christian or not. Listen. You are too far underground if your spouse doesn't know you're a Christian. Amen? Living a holy life means living that godly conduct out, but also letting people know who you are. You don't have to do it in a braggadocious way. Just be open. Say, well, you know, I've, I've got church that night. I invite you to go do something. Or, or they say, hey, will you come drinking with us? Tell them the real reason you're not going to go drinking with us. Do it humbly, but but just say, look, uh, I, I thank you for for inviting me to go with you, and you know, and I appreciate you wanting to spend time with me. But I, I I can't go get drunk with you because I've given my life to Jesus. Then let them know the reason why you're living a different life. It won't take long because, as you know, in this world, there's a lot of pressure to fit in with the evil that's going on in the world, and it won't take long for them to figure out you're a Christian if you're open about it. So think holy thoughts, live holy lives, 
And finally, respond in holy ways. He tells them in verses 13 through 17 how to respond to different, different types of people in a holy way. As a background for this, I want you to know who was emperor, who scholars believe was emperor at the time that Peter wrote his letter. His name was Nero. Nero used to light his gardens with Christians burning at the stake around his garden. He hated Christians. He blamed them uh, for the, uh, the fire that broke out in Rome. He persecuted them cruelly. And yet God tells him through Peter how to respond to the emperor, to the king, but also to others in their lives. That's a good context for understanding what it means to respond in a holy way. Look at verse 13. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord. We don't like that word in our culture, authority. We don't like it. Anything, anything that we could do to buck authority, we want to do it. But God says, if you want to live a holy life, if you want to respond in a holy way, you need to submit to authority. And talks about different kinds, the emperor, the governors, there's um, your, your national. In our, in our culture, it would be our national leadership, state leadership, local leadership, government, and so forth. Okay, um, Verse 16, as God's slaves... Live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. God's servants, God's the bond, literally a bond slave of God. You're, you're submitting to God in your life. Uh, that's important, by the way. If you're going to respond in a holy way, there's no better way to respond in a holy way than by, by being obedient to God. His authority is the most important authority. And when his authority clashes with human authority, guess whose authority you go with? So, um, then he says in verse 17, honor everyone. What does it mean to honor someone? Basically, to treat them as a valuable human being, to treat them with respect. We, we can do that because we believe as Christians that every human being is made in the image of God. We believe that every person is valuable. The unborn are valuable. The elderly are valuable. The mentally retarded are valuable. We are to honor everyone. By the way, did you know what sets America apart as far as human rights? It's our Judeo-Christian heritage. That's where we get it. The idea of treating human beings as if they're valuable. And evolution, which is the culture's, the culture's path right now, says that we're nothing, worth nothing, we're an accident. There's a lot of reasons to believe that evolution is wrong, but I'll tell you this, culturally speaking, it is important that we believe that people are made in the image of God because you won't treat others as valuable. Why do we have all of this chaos going on in our country? People going around shooting multiple people and then shooting themselves and doing all these crazy things. Why? Somebody somewhere told them a lie. They said, you're not worth anything and no one else is worth anything. You're just an accident. So go shoot whoever you want to shoot. But if you believe people are made in the image of God, and you believe your Christian brothers and sisters 
are so important that Christ laid down his life to purchase them with his blood. You will treat them with respect. Honor everyone. Um, if you want to respond in the holy way, that, that should convict the conflict that happens oftentimes in churches. It should convict us for that because we're to show respect. It, it's okay to disagree. It's okay to make your case, but you need to do it in a respectful way. And Sermon is good. So, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. We're to do that. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Through the Holy Spirit's power, we're to love each other. And God makes us one. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, said, Lord, make them one. That's God's desire. That's God's heart. What a great thing. Isn't it a blessing to be in a church where people love each other? I, I'm so grateful. Fear God. Some people say, well, that's disrespect. No, it's the same word that's used of what the people felt when Ananias and Sapphira were killed by God for lying to the Holy Spirit. Great fear came upon the assembly. I think that's the fear that we think of when we say fear. I, I tell you, let me just say this. I would be afraid if God said, sent a message through one of you or maybe through somebody that said, uh, because you've lied to the Holy Spirit, God's going to take your life right now. Boom. I think I'd be afraid. <laughs> uh well, you say, well, are we supposed to be cowering before God? No, no. But, but understand this. You need to have enough respect. Yes, God loves you, and yes, you're his child, and the wrath of God has been taken for you, and you've been justified by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. But don't think that that means that you can live any old way you want to, and God won't take you to the woodshed for it. He will discipline you. And you need to have enough fear of God to take him seriously. Uh, you know, my father was a, was a disciplinarian. Usually there's a tough one and there's a, an easy one, and, you know, <laughs> and the mom and dad relationship. My dad was the tough one. And, you know, my mom, we could talk her out of stuff. And, but, but dad, buddy, you did not. The, the most feared words were, I'm going to tell your daddy when he gets home. I did not want to hear that. And so, uh, but I knew he loved me. I knew he loved me. I was secure in that love. But I also knew, buddy, he's not going to take me. If I'm being wrong, he's going to hold me accountable. And I had an appropriate fear of my dad. And uh, I think there needs to be a little bit more of a fear of God in our country today. We've taken too, we, we, we shrug God off as an old grandfather in the sky who doesn't care what we do. Listen, that is a lie from the pit of hell. God will hold you accountable. If you're his child, he'll discipline you. If you're not his child, he loves you and he wants you to be saved. But I want you to know, as we talked about before, the wrath of God remains on those who don't know Christ. Every day he lets you take a breath as a gift of his grace. You need to come to Jesus while there's time. Fear God. So, you're going to respond in the appropriate ways. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God. Honor the emperor. Nero. 
You mean I'm supposed to, tr- to treat Nero with respect? Absolutely. He kills Christians. Absolutely. Honor the emperor. You're to show respect to the government officials and to the authorities in your life, not because they deserve it, but because God tells you to do it. And as you honor them, you're honoring Christ. Did you know whatever we do in our Christian life, whether we work in a job or whether we uh, go out and, and talk to somebody about Jesus, whatever we do, all of these things are done or should be done as unto the Lord. And so when you honor somebody that doesn't deserve it, what you're doing is you're giving honor to Jesus. When you love somebody who is your enemy, what you're doing is you're giving honor to Jesus. You're loving Christ. Jesus said, inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, you've done it unto me. Remember what Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Um, So we're called to respond in holy ways. If you want to overcome unjust criticism, respond in holy ways. People will eventually recognize it. When you're responding in the right way and people that hate you aren't responding in the right way, eventually it will become clear. So this is how you overcome unjust criticism. But even more than that, overcoming unjust criticism is an important thing, and and none of us want to be criticized unjustly. But as you live a holy life, what you're going to find is that you're walking in the blessings that Jesus has for you. Jesus uh, said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what the devil has for you. That's his plan for your life. God says, Christ says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. When you live a holy life, you will understand the abundance that God's joy and God's peace and God's rest are available to you. So can I encourage you to make that choice? Overcome unjust criticism, but also to enter the abundant life by thinking holy thoughts, living a holy life, and responding in holy ways. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm going to encourage you to to receive the gift of eternal life this morning so that you will not be under God's wrath, but that you can receive the forgiveness of God that Christ paid for on the cross for you. Uh, We're going to give you an opportunity to do that here in just a moment. Um, And the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. He rose again. And that he has told us that if we'll choose to turn from our sin and to follow him, to receive the gift of salvation in simple trust, that he'll forgive us, he'll make us new on the inside, and his Holy Spirit will come to live within us to help us live the holy life he desires and the abundant life that he desires. You can make that decision this morning. I'm just going to ask you here in a moment, um, after we pray and we'll begin to sing, uh, to step out of your seat and to come down here to the front. And I'll be here at the front. And I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Uh, you can say it in your own words if you want to, but I can lead you a phrase at a time. A lot of people like me to do that. And uh, you can receive Christ into your life today. Um, if, you're, if you're here as a believer, I'm going to invite you to come to this altar. And to tell God, Lord, I'm choosing to think holy thoughts. I'm choosing to live a holy life. I'm choosing to respond in holy ways. 
this morning. Let's pray. Father, uh, we, we thank you for your word this morning and for the challenge that it brings to us. And, and Lord, when, when others are criticizing Christians around this country, Lord, help us to be the ones who stand up.